Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. What I'm about to bring is utterly foundational, but it's uncomfortable. So anyone ready to jump in? (laughs) God gave me a statement and then started unpacking, so... Um, I, I just want to lean into this. I, I've got. I just want to follow through and go with the flow here because God's downloaded lots to me on this. And here's the statement I heard for us this afternoon, and it's completely different to what Sal was talking about, but it's on the foundation. And I, another thing I loved about what Sally shared is when there's the removing going, always go back to the character and the nature of God. Isn't that good? Wasn't that good? When something happens, it's not what I'm. What's he removing? But God is doing something. God is a giver by nature. Come on, stay in the nature of God. Can we do that? So let's start there. Let's start there right now. The nature of God. For God so loved the world that he... Come on, shout it out. For God so loved the world that he... He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him this is his heart he's a he's a giver the bible says he came to seek and save the lost isn't that what the bible says doesn't it say that it's his will that none should perish come on we don't need to pray about whether we need to pray about someone getting saved we don't we don't need to have that conversation he's we don't need to ask god his will on what he's already stated as his will and sometimes we are a little bit too almost like God hasn't uh, laid that upon my heart. If it's in his word, then it's on his heart. Can I hear an amen to that? And so I want to bring us back to his stated intention for you and for me as leaders in the house of God. And I want you to lean in and allow the spirit to take us deep. Here's a statement I heard that started this all off for us this afternoon. I heard this statement. There's a question mark at the end of the statement. Okay. Um, making friends. Or making disciples? Making friends or making disciples? Can we go there? Making friends or you mean making friends and making disciples? No, that's not what the Lord said to me. He said making friends or making disciples? Hey, they're both great. But what is the priority of our focus as leaders in the house of God? Is it making friends (laughs) or is it making disciples? Can we, can we lean in deep? Yeah. We're ready to jump off the, the high diving platform here tonight? Okay, praise God. Let's start. And half the scriptures that I've got down here, Sally mentioned in her last thing. So <laughs> I'll take that as thus saith the Lord. Amen. Uh, Matthew 4, verse 18 to 20. Babe, can I have um, just one of those waters open? Thanks. Matthew 4, 18 to 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. I, I love it that the fact that it clarifies they were casting a net because they were fishermen. I didn't, <laughs> you know, it, but even in that, there's something in there. They, they were professional fishermen. It wasn't just a hobby. This is what they did. I want to tell you that God wants to call you in what you're doing. And... It goes on in verse 19, Jesus called to them and said, come, follow me. Everyone say, follow me. me. Everyone say, "Follow follow Jesus. 
That's right, I'm going to keep you engaged. Okay, cool. Feel free to keep on talking out loud here. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. I'll make you fishers of men, King James said. At once, everyone say at once. They left their nets and followed him. That's a big deal. Come on, guys. This is their livelihood. Here's a man that they didn't even know, but there's something in them that responded to the Spirit of God. Look beyond natural words to what the Spirit is doing. Come on, recognize the Spirit when he rocks up in your life and he says something. And my question to you at the start is, at once, how quickly is your do you obey? God spoke to me years ago and told me what maturity is. Maturity is the, the length of time between hearing God and obeying God. I'll just let that settle in for a moment. Maturity is not whether you obey God, because here if God's spoken and 15 years later you obey, that ain't real mature. But if over time on your walk with God, your speed of obedience is increasing from your hearing, then you're maturing. Abraham. God said, take your son, your only son, the son I gave you, the promise I gave you, the one that I promised it, I gave it, the one through whom I prophesied all the nations of the world will be rest. Take him and lay him down and sacrifice him. I don't know that you and I are going to get a bigger instruction than that. And it says the next morning, Abraham got up and set out. I'm going, well, didn't you want to pray about that for three or four weeks, Abraham? He goes, I've heard the voice of God. These guys are fishermen. That's all they did. Here comes a stranger. Something in their heart leaves. We have to leave. And they immediately, at once, they left their nets and followed him. Some of you, God's going to call you out of your jobs over coming years. How quickly will you obey? Some of you guys, guys and girls, guys is generic. Uh, God is going to call you out of your department that you lead. How quickly will you obey? God's going to call you out of your comfort zone. There you go. Here's the word of the Lord. God wants to obliterate your comfort zone. That wasn't just directly there. You just happened to be in the firing line. God wants to obliterate your comfort zone. God did not die for you to be comfortable. He didn't. And so oh, I'm going to have to move way quicker than this. But no, I'm not in a rush. I got all day. Praise the name of Jesus. So th this is the scripture. Come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. I, I reckon that we should make a new rule, Jeremy, that we all always get to drink coffee when we're preaching. It's a good thing. Here's the first thing. Thus saith the Lord. Amen. It's, that came from heaven to earth, that revelation just then. Hebrews, that's right. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, Jeremy, yes, that's you, bro. Okay, come follow me. Let's, let's just step through this. And yeah, I'm teaching, but um, uh, prophetically, just we want to lean in here. Come follow me. What is that? It's a call to be a disciple. Come follow me. Come follow me. Do you notice that from the very start, Jesus didn't outline what that looked like on a flow chart, on a PowerPoint? He didn't give them a 32-page contract with a whole bunch of disclaimers. He said, come follow me. 
We've got to get past, can I just say this in love? We've got to get past knowing all the details of what God is calling us to before we say yes. Discipleship is following Jesus. Not accepting Jesus, following Jesus. Way more people accept Jesus than follow Jesus. Discipleship is about following, not just accepting. A disciple, by very definition in the Greek, is a student, a learner, a pupil. It's sitting at the feet. Remember, they were called rabbis. It's like, we are here to learn from you. Not just to pray to you, not just to dictate to you, not just to buddy up to you. No, I actually want to learn. Show me the way in which to live and walk. There is a call, says the Lord, to returning to discipleship in 2022 in the body of Christ. Can I hear an amen to that? We have lowered the bar, we have watered it down as so as not to upset anyone, to appease people, so that people feel comfortable in church. We have made the goalpost in church people being comfortable. Do you know what the result is? People going to hell. If that was too blunt, that's the way it is. We've got to get back to that. Jesus didn't die comfortably, and he didn't call us to live comfortably. He says, you want to be my disciple? Okay, let me, let me lay this out really clearly, says the Lord. It's not take up your beanbag, sit down and relax with me. Come on. It's not come to church, feel comfortable, don't be upset by anything, don't get challenged by anything, leave the same way, and then 15 years later you're still stuck in the same mess. That's not Jesus' way. I wonder if we're not entering into freedom because we haven't picked up discipleship. I wonder if we're going around the same mountain because we have lowered, minimized, diminished what God has actually called us to. You want to be my disciple? Okay, here you go, says Jesus Christ. Not Steve McCracken, says Jesus Christ. You want to be my disciple? Take up your cross. Whoa, 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 you mean beanbag. Take up your cross. Take up your cross, which might be different to your cross, which might be different to your cross, which might be different to your cross. Don't. Don't diagnose or, or prescribe to someone else what their cross is. We've all got a cross to bear. We've all got a cross to bear. And cross is painful. We've got to get rid of this, this, this theology in church that come to Jesus and it's all good. He goes, he goes, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trials. Be a good cheer. I've overcome it, but you're going to have it. Come on. These things are going to happen. He says, you want to be my disciple? To, to deny yourself. Sorry, I said take it because it's deny yourself. Which is the starting point of Luke twenty two forty two. Not my will, let yours be done, Father. This is not about what I want. I would love to see a breakout of this in the church. People coming to church, not what I want, but what God wants this morning. Not what song I want, but what God wants. Come on. Not what sermon I want, but what sermon God wants. Come on, that's what I want. I want what God wants. Deny yourself. Deny yourself. Come on, take up your cross and actually follow me. We're called to be disciples, not just believers or acceptors, but followers of Jesus Christ. So my question to you as we start here today is this, how closely do you follow Jesus? How closely? Some people want to follow him from a distance. Some people want to follow him from a place of, 
I'm, I'm, I'm good to fly under the radar. I don't want really people to know too much at work or around the place because they can get a bit weird. How closely do you follow? Do people see where you stop and Jesus starts? Or do they see Christ in you, the hope of glory? We're called to follow closely, not from a distance. Can I hear an amen? How closely do you follow Jesus? Number two, how completely do you follow Jesus? How closely and how completely? And that's what we talked about just before, so I won't go over it again. When he says something, do we do it in measure? Do we do it slowly? Do we do it hesitantly? Or do we jump off and say, God? See, here's the deal. We don't fully follow God's instructions when we focus on the instructions God speaks more than the God who's speaking the instruction. Did anyone get what I just said? Let me say it again then. We, I don't remember the first part of what I said. Um, we, we shrink back from following God fully, completely. When our focus is on the instruction he gave, I want you to start this, I want you to stop this, I want you to step into this. When, when the focus that brings with it all the apprehension and thoughts and the questions and the uncertainty, when we focus on what he said as the biggest thing, we step back and don't follow completely. But when we actually take away, move away from the instruction given to, as Sally kept on saying, let's go back to the nature and character of God, the one who's speaking. When our eyes are on the one who's speaking, who we know is love. Come on. He can't do anything that's not love. He's a giver. He's working all things together for my good. Come on, church. He started good work. He'll bring it to completion. That he is for me, not against me. Go to who? The nature of the one speaking. That is how you can receive, embrace, and fully follow the instruction with confidence because you know he is for you, not against you. Does that make sense? So go to the one speaking, not just what is spoken. The power of what God has said is the fact that God is saying it. Come on, church. The power is in the fact that God is the one speaking. He said, come follow me, called to be a disciple. And then he says, and I will send you out to fish for people. Come follow me as a call to be a disciple. I will send you out to fish for people is a commission to make disciples. The call is to follow. The commission is to make disciples. I really want you to get this. Between encounter and commission. Commission. You know, we're, God's been leading Sally and I into this for the last uh, four, five, six weeks. This whole encounter and commission thing. Some people chase encounter, encounter, encounter. It's all about an encounter with God. An encounter with God will always result in a commission for God and from God. Otherwise, you get these inner-focused Christians. It's all about the next soaking session, but they do nothing with their life. And they say, but it's just me and the beauty of me and worshiping God, and that's what it's all about. No, that's not what it's all about. Otherwise, we'll get saved, go straight to heaven, and do that forever and ever. 
but there's a whole bunch of people around that need an encounter with the living God, where some people that love encounter, but they don't stop at encounter. They step into a place of, okay, I'm encountering God. There comes a commission. Come on, burning bush, now go and rescue my people. The least of the least on the threshing floor, now go and save my people. Come on. We've got to move from encounter to commission. Come on, come follow me and encounter. Come be with me, be with me. And I will send you out to the, it's going to be in commission. But there's another group of people that's all about the commission. Come on, it's all about what we're doing for God. And all the while, Jesus said, hang on, but I don't even know you. Come and have some encounter because your commission must come from your encounter. But your encounter must lead to a commission. And that is being a disciple and making disciples. Being a disciple is an encounter. Come on. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary. Come on, and, and come on, making disciples and, and getting into it. Let's, let's, let's be involved in that. Making disciples is about equipping others to follow Jesus. I want you to get this very, very simply. What it is a disciple, a pupil, a student, a learner? It is one who follows me. Come follow me, and then I will make you fishers of men. What is that? That is... That is um, us equipping others to follow Jesus. Let's not add too many words. Let's keep it this simple. I am called to follow Jesus right now here with you guys. I'm called to follow Jesus right now. And I am called to equip you to follow Jesus. And whatever area of church life you are involved in, you are called to follow Jesus. And can I just say this? You never outgrow following Jesus. You don't move on from being a disciple to making disciples. They are two, they're two tracks of the train. You, you cannot remove, you remove one or the other, you'll, the t- train will topple. Can, 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 is this okay? Yes. Let's just sit in this. We've got to actually have both simultaneously ongoing. And that's why there's this rhythm, encounter commission, encounter commission, it should be ongoing. Come on, removal, add, removal, add, it should be ongoing. Being a disciple, making disciples should be ongoing. And it's about equipping. And I use that word carefully because it's the word God gave me because it's the actual. At first I thought when I was thinking about this and just hearing God making disciples, because a word I use a lot and as part of our ministry at David McCracken Ministries is prophetic ministry that empowers the church. And my mind instantly went there and God said, no, it's not, it's not about empowering, it's about equipping. And Ephesians 4, those that know it, and verse 11 onwards, God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. What for? For the equipping. For the equipping. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry and knowing God and the maturity and all those things that follow. But here's the word of the Lord. What does equipping mean in the Greek? It means two things. Two things. Furnish and repair. What is Furnishing. Come on, you just brought a house, Jeremy. Furnishing means we've got this place. It's a wonderful place for us to live, but it's not going to be a home, and it's not, it's not going to do us any good until we furnish it. You might have the shell, but, man, we need the bed to sleep in. We need the couch to sit on. We, are you with me? Yeah. Furnishing in the spiritual, the reason I'm here, the reason, the reason I'm here, the reason you're here, I love the seamless flow, uh, is to place in... What is needed? Come on, church. And that's why you need the eyes of the Spirit. When you're leading, don't 
Don't lead from a natural place, lead from a spiritual place. We see problems and respond to problems. No, we should see we should see a person and respond in the spirit. God, what do you want me to place in them? Great. I can tell you right now, today and tomorrow, God will place some things in your heart from Sally and I. That's furnishing. And why? It's to equip you for the work of to mature you, to make help make you a follower of Jesus. Are you with me? Yes. But it says furnish and repair. It's not just about adding in, but sometimes it's about things are broken down. Our ways of thinking, our theology, uh, things that in our lives that God is not just put, putting in, but sometimes he needs to repair something, heal something. Are you with me, church? And this is what making disciples is about. It's about putting in and it's about repairing so that people can be healthy and whole and empowered to follow Jesus Christ. The call to be a disciple precedes the commission to make disciples. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say, I want to make you fishers of men, so come follow me. It's not about the goal. The, it, we've got to keep the main thing the main thing and the first thing the first thing. Come follow me. I'm calling you back to following Jesus. Is that okay? Yeah, good. When I say following Jesus, you might say, but I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I'm not saying being a Christian. I'm saying being a disciple. Do you know that in, I can't tell you, it's in Acts, I think it might be around there. Um, do you like that? 11, 16, something like that. But in Acts, in, where there's Antioch, it, it has this thing, this place where Paul and them are there in Antioch, and they're teaching, they're teaching, they're teaching for two years. And at the end of two years, it says, um, of these, the Christians sitting there, it says, and the Christians were first called disciples at Antioch. They were Christians. They had two years just sitting under Paul and the apostles and they're learning and receiving. What's that? A pupil, a student. And then they were called disciples because they had a posture of learning. Can I call us back to this posture of learning? This posture of learning. The call to be a disciple precedes the commission to make disciples. So we must follow before we lead. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? amen? But we must also follow as we lead. It's not just before, now I've moved on. We're not a disciple, now I'm going to move on to making disciples. I think I've laid that pretty clearly. Yeah. It's the continuing. It's like the, it's, and, it, and it's not just parallel. It's, it's, this, it's this continual rhythm. I'm walking with God yeah. and I'm equipping others to walk with God. I hope you remember that language. The commission to make disciples will always be the result of the call to be a disciple. The commission to make disciples, get the language, will always, everyone say always, will always be the result of the call to be a disciple. That means, and this is what the Lord said to me, there comes a point that if we are not being a disciple, sorry, there comes a point that we are not being a disciple if we are not making disciples. This is where the rubber hits the road. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, wonderful. Jesus set the pattern. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. 
The whole way through the Gospels and then into the epistles is about, I'm going to send you out. Come on, he sent out the 12, he sent out the 72. Come on, go into all the world, make disciples. It is about, I want you to make disciples. Start following me and I will make you. The church and Christian leaders, I'm going to get really, we're going to get really real and personal and direct here, okay? There are many leaders, possibly even in this room, that are disciples, but you're not disciple makers. There comes a point that that actually means you're not a disciple. Because disciples make disciples. There is a flow on, there's a, see, a healthy apple tree will produce apples. There comes a point that if it never produces apples, it's not a healthy apple tree. That's right. Follow me and I'll send you out to make disciples. Yeah, good. And I know it suddenly got really quiet because it sort of probably hit home for a, a lot of us. That's okay. Let, let's lean in and let God continue to unpack this, okay? And I'm going to get very practical on how this looks in our time together as well. So what are the, some of the reasons why many are not making disciples? Because many here go, I know we're called to do that, but I'm not really doing that. So let's, let's go back to the original statement that God said, making friends or making disciples. One problem and probably one of the main reasons that many don't make disciples beyond the fact that that's not me, that's too big for me, I don't know what to do, which we'll talk about that. But one of the main reasons why many don't make disciples is because we focus too much on being liked. We focus too much on being liked. So let's lean into this. Making friends... Or being disciples. Are we doing okay? Yeah, yeah. It's good. I, I pray there's a weightiness on this, but not a heavy condemnation. Is this good, Aaron? This is, it's, it's a, God is calling the church back to this. Why? Because he never left it. Yeah. Well, he never left it. And again, I don't want to attack anything. I just, but I also don't want to be vague and we go, what's he actually talking about? So if I'm ever specific, it's because I don't want to leave you with vagueness. Making people feel comfortable in church should never be the goal. That's right. Seeker sensitive, and I'm not anti that. What was in, um, you know, Rick Warren's heart when he birthed that and all that sort of stuff. I'm talking about when it goes to the whole focus. It's just being sensitive to people, which, aka, means. Make sure that everyone knows exactly what's going on and everyone is comfortable with it and you don't make people feel uncomfortable. And what we've done is tone down the spirituality to perpetuate the natural feelings of, I like this place. Have you read what happened when Jesus spoke and Jesus ministered? Religious people hated it. His own disciples, when he started to talk language, talk about seeker-sensitive, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Yeah. <laughs> With no explanation, yeah. 
It says, and many of Jesus' own disciples left him because these were hard sayings to understand. And what did he do? He didn't do what we do. Chased them down the street trying to explain it and trying to get them to come back to church. He turned to the disciples that were still there, Peter, James and John and the others, and said, would you like to leave too? Jesus, you've got a lot to learn about this pastoral care business. You need to chase after people. No, you don't. Because we're not here just to make everyone comfortable and be friends with everyone. We're here to make disciples. The starting point, deny yourself, take up your cross and come follow me. He turned to them and said, do you want to leave too? It's bad leadership. Can I just, come on. He's not going to strike me dead. He knows where I'm heading. But are you hearing me? We're making it too much about being liked and everyone being the friend. He said, do you want to leave too? And they said, Peter, where else would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. The revelation happened in that moment. And I want to come and say, under this, this, this starting point of making friends or making disciples, if we are doing what God has commissioned us to do, make disciples. Follow Jesus and I'll send you out to be a disciple and make disciples. If we are doing what God has commissioned us to do, not everyone will like us. If everyone likes us, we're probably not doing what Jesus called us to do. Remember, they crucified him. They threw stones. They imprisoned them. They wanted to kill them. We have become, we have, I'm going, I feel the spirit. We have got an unholy addiction to being liked in the church. An unholy addiction to being liked. We preach and we get off, we're so concerned about what people might think more than, did I please the father? Did I please the Father? Jesus pleased the Father. And more people left him than they came to him. We've got to get back to what God has called us to do as leaders in Generations Church. You're called to follow Jesus and make followers of Jesus. You're called to furnish and repair. What do you need to place into someone? Come on. When they're talking about the problems... Is there something God wants you to place into them, prophetically draw out of them? Come on. What has God declared over their life? Don't talk about the problem. Set something into them that has actually power to move forward. Maybe there's something that needs to be repaired. For a lot of people in the church, part of their brokenness is their view of church because of their history of church. Maybe you need to help repair some of that. If we're going to do what God has commissioned us to do, not everyone will like us. We need to settle this issue. And if you're struggling with that, go and read the life of Jesus and the apostles. The world won't like us. The problem is the world... Can I go there? The world likes too many Christians. Because the Christians have adopted the standards of the world. Let me read you John 15, 18 and 19, the words of Jesus. If the world hates you, this is, this is a great encouragement. 
Come on, church. Come on, friends. Jesus speaking. If the world hates you, <laughs> keep in mind that it hated me first. Thank you. This is great word of encouragement. I received this, Jesus. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. <laughs> Sometimes we need to actually get back to just reading what the Bible says. The world's going to hate you. This is so just not encouraging, is it? <laughs> but what is a phrase that God's told me we must lean to? Making friends or making disciples? What is our primary focus? Not everyone in the church will like you. Now, this is a bit closer to home for some. Not everyone in the church will like you. But can we be honest? You don't like everyone in the church. <laughs> Some of us have got a motto. I love everyone, but I just don't like them. <laughs> but here's what I want us to land on. Not everyone in the world will like you. Not everyone in the church will like you. But Jesus likes you. And Jesus calls you friend. We're going back to making friends as our focus, or making disciples. We can land on the right place of making disciples if we settle the issue that I'm actually a friend of God. So it's not about me making friends with everyone, it's me knowing that I'm a friend of God. That empowers me to make disciples no matter what. John 15, verse 15 and 16 Jesus speaking again, I no longer call you servants. Isn't that good news? Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Everyone say, Jesus. Everyone say, Jesus has called me friend. Say it again. Jesus has called me friend. For everything that I learned, Jesus, from my Father, I have made known to you. Isn't that good? You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will actually last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. Now, there's a fruit of the Spirit, but there's also the fruit of making disciples. And I believe the Lord says, I've called, Jesus has called us friends, and Jesus has commissioned us to make disciples. Can I hear an amen? amen. And let me make this statement. This is probably a key statement that God gave me as we keep on leaning in. The moment we make it more about making friends than making disciples as leaders in the church. We lose our way. Just think about it from my perspective for a moment. And this is clear, but some of the things that God calls me to speak as a prophet in these days that we live in, if I was focused on making friends with everyone, I wouldn't say half the stuff that comes out of my mouth. Yeah. 
But God spoke to me a while ago and said, Steve, you cannot please me and appease people at the same time. He didn't say, please me and please people. He said to me, please me and appease people. Appeasing people is different. Appeasing is almost you're, 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 you're catering to their demands and what they want. You cannot make disciples if you're overly focused on what people think. We can't do it. We can't do it. And there's things that God has called me, and I've crossed the line. I want to get off the stage platform. I, I want to step down from any moment in ministry. I have one measuring rod of how I did. It's not whether you look like you're sleeping or not. And in some churches, that's a real thing. It's not how vocal you are or not. It's not whether I think you got it or not. It's whether I heard from Father and I passed on what he said. That's it, full stop. I'm here to make disciples today, not make friends. I love you, but sometimes we get, if we're overly fixated on making friends, oh, I've got it written down. Let me just read it so I... Uh, Praise God. So why is this important to keep in mind? Okay, here's the statement. It was the next statement in my notes, so there you go. Because there are certain things, the reason why making disciples has got to be, and, and I'm not saying not making friends, it's a great thing, it's a wonderful, he who has friends must show himself friendly, okay? Jesus was a friend of sinners, okay? But he didn't allow the pursuit of friendship being liked and, and that, to stop him from the greater focus of making disciples. Yes. Are you hearing me? I'm not putting down friendship. Yeah. I'm elevating discipleship. Yeah. Got it. Good. And he says this because there are certain things you won't say or do if your primary focus is on making friends. Yeah, that father may require you to say and do if your primary focus is on making disciples. Say that again. Okay. Because there are certain things you... The reason why this is important to keep in mind is because there are certain things you won't say or do if your primary focus is on making friends. If I say this right now, they're going to get upset. They're not going to like this. That Father may require you to say and do if your primary focus is on making disciples. Now, I'm going to give you an example that's an extreme example and it's an example I don't encourage you to follow. Jesus' focus with Peter was not just to be his best buddy. Yeah. It was to make a disciple. Good. So at one time when, G when Peter had in mind the things of God in Matthew 16, and when he says, asked him, who, are, who do you say I am? He said, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, verse 17. And Jesus says, you are so blessed because you got this revelation from my Father in heaven. And then Jesus, next breath goes on to talk about how he must suffer and die. And Peter gets in his face and goes, that's not going to happen. No way in the world will that. I will not let that happen. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. That's not really good for friendship. <laughs> that wasn't overly seeker sensitive. It wasn't because he says, you do not now have in mind the things of God, but the things of the world, the things of the flesh. You move from the spirit into the flesh. You want to be my disciple. Let's, let's really address this right now. Not just pretty it up. 
Let's not put a band-aid on a broken arm here. This, this reaction is from your flesh. Therefore, it's, 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 it's from the demonic, not from the spiritual. That's a bit heavy and hard. That's a bit too. That's not really nice language. Again, I said, don't go, when you're making disciples this week, don't go and say, you're the devil. I'm not. But listen to Jesus' primary concern. Right now, my primary focus is not on making Peter feel good about himself. It's to help him to step back into the spirit and to follow me. Hallelujah. Matthew 28 verse 18. To 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and what? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Teaching people to obey what God has actually said, discipleship. Not everyone likes that. And we live in a time where people are saying, just talk all about grace and love. Don't talk about sin. Don't talk about, don't talk about any of that stuff. That's not. Can I call us back to what Jesus told to do? Teach them to obey. How can you teach them to obey unless you say this is right, this is wrong? That's right. Let's come back to God's way, not a polluted, defiled way that has been a mishandling of God's word. Sometimes the easy road is the less loving road. If we're going to make disciples and we want to take the easy road, sometimes we perpetuate people's brokenness because we don't go to the core of the matter, the heart of the issue. And that's what Jesus masterfully did with Peter. Come on, Peter, that's the wrong spirit right now. So remember we are commissioned to equip people to follow Jesus. I reckon Peter learned a lesson that day. Man, look how quickly I can go from the spirit to the flesh. Mate, you're the Messiah. No, you're not going to do that. Wow. Thank you, Jesus, for pointing out how quickly. Do you know, I have to guard against this with this in my hand. That might surprise you. I stopped myself mid-sentence ministering last weekend in Adelaide, and we were there on the Sunday morning. And I was just feeling God download. I never even got to my message. I just walked and downloaded um, the whole time what God was saying. And it was hitting some pretty serious issues. It's just, And again, I wasn't there to make friends and make the disciples. But as I said one thing, stuff rose up on the inside of me. Because I'm a guy that, I've got a heightened sense of justice, right? And some of the stuff that's in the world today and some of the stuff that the government's pushing on us and some of the stuff that people are celebrating and people are bashing, it gets under my skin, anyone else. And I was speaking by divine revelation, but then I caught myself in a moment right now, and I did not, I said it, I, I, modeled, I, said, I, I just stopped. Right now I could easily step into the flesh. And I could start to hit this from a natural perspective. So I stopped myself and said, okay, Holy Spirit, where do I go with this? And then I kept in step with the Holy Spirit. 
can I say I have to practice this myself regularly? Yeah. I see things on the news. In a moment, I can go from spirit to flesh, flesh to spirit. Anyone else? Or are you just looking at me like, ooh, you're a bad person? Come on. You hear about something that happens in someone's life, in the life of the church, what happens to a leader, what happens to someone else, how quickly we can go from the spirit to the flesh and call the flesh spiritual and call it righteous anger, but it's actually us really acting like Peter. No, that ain't going to happen. Come on. Peter pulling out the sword and taking off someone's ear. It wasn't in the spirit. It was Jesus said, put that away. I didn't tell you to do that. Can I encourage us to keep in step with the spirits? And part of that is teaching people to obey. The correct focus is I am a friend of God, therefore I will make disciples. Right. Now, does, it's half past, we've got half an hour left. Does anyone need to get up and take a couple minutes and stretch? No. Okay, the nose have it. Um, <laughs> okay, see you, Jeremy. Thanks for coming. <laughs> We're back here tomorrow morning. <laughs> Four. Four. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Praise God. Okay, one more passage that I want to talk practically in the last half hour. What does making disciples look like? All right. But John twenty-one fifteen to seventeen again is another scripture Sally mentioned before. John 21, 15 to 17. Let me tell you the context here. Uh, Jesus is speaking to Peter shortly after Peter had failed him ter terribly by denying him three times. Okay, are you with me? We need to understand the context here. And so Peter probably felt disqualified. And maybe you do too because of things in your life. So let's now see what Jesus said to Peter in John 21, 15 to 17. When they had finished eating... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? This is encounter. This is friendship. This is being a follower. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. This is talking about disciple. I'm, I'm, a, I'm close to you. Jesus said, then feed my lambs. This is important. Again, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Jesus wants us to demonstrate our love for him by our commitment to obey the Great Commission and make disciples. Yeah. Peter was saying, yeah, I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm following you, I'm with you. But there's something probably in him that thought I'm unworthy to now be one who makes disciples and is a leader. And God says, if you say you love me, then this is what I want you to do. Get on with what I called you to do. I think it's a good word for all of us. Some of us step back from leading boldly, making disciples, because at the spotlight's on what I've done or what I haven't done. 
and we think we honour God by, I, I won't step forward into that because I did this, this, and this. And we think we're honouring God. Jesus made it clear three times. Do you love me? In effect, what he's saying is, I know you're saying you love me. You're sorry. I, I'm acknowledging that I'm hearing your words, but here's my words back to you. Get on with what I told you to do. God's not pleased when we prolong getting back on with what he's called us to do. Look at Isaiah, Isaiah 6. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. Wow. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. He cried out in repentance. The seraphim reached down, touched his tongue with the coal, forgiveness. The next breath, same conversation. God goes, we need someone to go and speak for us. And here's a man who should go through a process according to the way we do church. Are you hearing me? Come on, I want to see a track record of a changed life. No, the next breath, God says, we need someone to go and speak for us. And here's a man who's just said, man, my mouth is defiled, polluted, infamous, which is what it means in the Hebrew. God touched him. The next breath, he goes, I'll go and speak for you. And God says, great, go. Here's the word of the Lord to you, go. Here's the word of the Lord to you, I choose you. I want you now. But you don't know what I did last week. Yeah? Did you repent? Yeah? Okay, great. Then feed my sheep. Then make disciples. Come on. Uh, Let's not disqualify what God has qualified. And he's qualified you if you're in Christ. Come on. God says there's some people I need to see them furnished and repaired, equipped. And I choose you. I choose you. I choose you, and you honour me most by obeying me fully. Do you love me? Great. Yeah. Let's do it. Are you good? Great. So what does making disciples look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's see if we can bring this home and land it by five. Are we all good? Yes. I need the Holy Spirit to make it clear to me what I should lead into, what I shouldn't. Let's, let's, let's do this. Praise God. What does making disciples look like? I might throw out a few statements. This has been recorded here, Jeremy. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to probably go through things, some of these statements a bit quicker. They're on the recording. This is what I encourage you all to do over the coming weeks and months. Get the recording, listen to it, hit pause, and then you lean into the, 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 the banquet that God wants to give you on the statements. Yeah. So you're actually doing the seeking yourself, right. not just me teaching. Is that cool? Wonderful. What does making discipleship look like? That's right, it's called discipleship. Making discipleship is walking with people towards God. Walking with people. What did Jesus do? He called them, come walk with me. And everything he did was towards God. Towards God. Making disciples involves corporate learning and private learning. Jesus spoke to the masses and he had dinner around tables. He had time with his disciples. People coming to church, if you've got people coming to church, just corporate meetings, but there's no walking with someone in a small setting, 
then I want to say biblically it ain't discipleship. You cannot be fully discipled in church on Sunday morning. Yep, that's right. Otherwise, Jesus never would have called 12. He just would have done the, the mountaintop in the right. synagogues. That's right. Are, are you with me? Yeah. It's got to have the public and the private. Great. Uh, making disciples involves baptizing people into the fullness of who God is. That's the statement. Let me say it again. Making disciples involves baptizing people into the fullness of who God is. Take you back to the Matthew 28. Come on. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey. So go with that. Baptize them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What was one of Peter's greatest learning moments, discipleship-making moments that we just talked about in Matthew 16? Remember, you're the Messiah. No, this is not going to happen. Come on, you're blessed. Get behind me, Satan. What was it in response to? Who do people say that I am? You want to disciple people? Here's a question that has to be a part of discipleship when you're sitting down with someone. And discipleship, I'm probably largely talking about you one-on-one in a small group, actually walking with people towards God. Ask them, tell me about God. Who do you say God is? Who do you say Jesus is? Don't you just preach to them. Ask them so that you can actually hear what they're saying and then walk with them to further revelation of the truth. He said, baptize them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The word baptize. Baptize, what is it? The the, the picture, um, the language in the Greek is to immerse, to fully, uh, to dip, to, to dip in dye. It's the, the picture is you take a cloth, a white cloth, and there's red dye, a bucket of red dye. You put the cloth in that's white, and you immerse it, you baptize it. And when you pull it out, the cloth has now changed. It's, it has changed from white to red. This is what it means to be baptized. This is what it means to be in Christ. You're not a better version. You're a new creation. You've taken on another form. And the form is baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are baptized, we're dipped in, we're immersed into who God is. And then we become like that, which means we need to, a big part of discipleship is tell me about God. A.W. Tozer, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Our lives are derailed by wrong views of God. So let's come back. And the way you do that, you don't have to know it all. But you ask them, and as they start to talk, then what you do is you go with them. Let's go to the Word of God and see what the Bible says about God. What does the Word say about the Father? What does the Word say about Jesus? What does the Word say about the Holy Spirit? I know that's your experience, and and I've got some experiences too. But let's take our experiences and put them through the filter of God's Word and look what God is like. Making disciples is baptizing people into the fullness of who God is. Making disciples involves teaching people to obey everything God commanded. And I talked about that before, so I don't want to take too long. But again, explore the question. If it's teaching them to obey everything God commanded, then part of discipleship is what does God say about salvation, faith, baptism? Come on. Sanctification, justification. What does God say Come on, can we go there? What does God say about sexuality? What does God say about marriage? 
What does God say about gender? Can we go there? What does God say about these things? It's not to attack issues. It's to be actually become a follower of Jesus. I can't follow what I don't know. So discipleship is let's go to God's Word. I know the media is saying this. I know the church is saying this. I know the world is saying this. I know your feelings are saying this. I know the experience is saying this. But can we come back to what has God said? And this is where I'm going to really flow tomorrow morning, tomorrow night. Revival is the church coming back to God's original. What has God declared something to be? That's what it is. Come on. God has declared something on every issue. We discipleship is let's go to what God has said. In the beginning, this is what God did. Come on, He created the male and female. He created them. Let's go back to what God has said. That's discipleship. But we live in a time if we're focused on making friends, we're not going to go there. So let me ask you a question. Let me just make this statement here. Uh, look together at truth that actually matters. Look at prison issues through the lens of what the Bible says, not through what people are saying. Look at present issues that are saturating our media and our world today, not through what people are saying or even dictating to the church. How dare they? This is truth. You must believe this if you believe anything else or say anything else or persecute you. No, no. What has God said? That's what I'm going to follow. That's what I'm going to follow. Steve, you do that, you're going to get persecuted. Can I just say, deny yourself, take up your cross and actually follow me. Maybe the world, would there would be shifts in the world if the church globally and corporately said, even if it's unpopular, I'm going to believe what the Bible says and what God declares about something. And I'm going to teach others. It says, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Let there not be a hint of sexual immorality. Come on. That's not Old Testament, old-fashioned. This Bible, and it's not to make us good, it's to keep us free. Discipleship is come walk with me towards God. And we're going to allow the Bible to be our standard of what is right and wrong. Amen. 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 So who are you being discipled by? Let's start there. Who are you being discipled by? Jesus said, come follow me. So being a disciple, who are you being discipled by? Oh, no. I had that earlier on, but now I'm sort of... I sort of don't have that in my, my life. I'm leading here. I'm doing No. To the day we die, we should keep on being a disciple. Yes, it's of Jesus. But Jesus appoints people. Even in the epistles in the, in the, in the New Testament, you had levels of, uh, not, and it's, levels is the wrong word, but you had these layers of relationships where Paul to Timothy and to Silas and to Barnabas, there, there was there's levels, not levels, layers again, layers of that they gave instructions and they, that they encouraged each other and they discipled people. I'm, I'm, I was thinking, how old am I? Uh, I'm about to turn 49 and I've been doing this for a while and there's, by the grace of God, please hear my heart here, there's a level of maturity in God that I hope would be uh, there. But I am still being discipled by my dad, David McCracken, who's 74 years of age. And I, if he says something, man, I grab onto it. If he says, don't do that, I don't do that. That's right. Do you know why? Because it's my protection. That's right. 
And as I walk closely, man, I get insight and revelation and wisdom. Sally does it too with my dad and my mum. Dad has people in his life. He's 74. He's, he's, a, he's a respected prophet around the world. But there's people that he asked to speak into his life that he actually wants to grow in discipleship and following Jesus Christ. And he knows that in, 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 the, in the collective, in the submission, there's actually safety. So who are you being discipled by? Being disciple is not ambiguous and it's not generic. Oh, wow, I watch this podcast and I watch it. That's not discipleship. That's feeding. That's not just. This is what. Who have you given the authority to speak into your life? Yeah. Very good. That's the mark of discipleship. If you've got no one, you need to get someone. And that means that when they say don't do that, you don't do that. Now, Steve, come on, that's old, that's law, that's control. That's Bible. Yeah, that's right. That's Bible. I am flourishing in life. And my dad, even over recent months, has said, don't do that. Yeah. And do you know what I do? No problem. Including when I've had prophetic words for sometimes when I've submitted it because of the level it's at. And he goes, I'd hold, hold on to that. Now, I received that from God. We go back, hang on, I'm not going to disobey God. No, God says submit to every authority. This is part of the discipleship. And when I do that, do you know what? I flourish. And if dad got it wrong, dad's got to give an account. Whoopee. (laughs) Buck stops with you, brother. Because there's a spiritual principle. He gets that and I get that. I flourish because I'm not a lone ranger because when you don't submit, you're actually open to the attacks of the enemy much more than when you're protected by someone that you're walking with that has the right to say don't. Do that. So who have you given the authority to speak into your life? Because a disciple submits to the teacher's authority. And you don't submit unless there's a disagreement. So if you want to do something and they say no, and you come under it, that's submission. If you want to do something and they want you to do something, that's not submission, that's agreement. Yeah. Hmm. But you know what? God needs to continually refine our hearts. Yeah. Because here's the deal. Submitting to authority helps us to see our blind spots and therefore helps us to walk in greater freedom. Submitting to authority guards against pride and helps us to walk in humility. If you never have to submit anything to anyone and you just get to do what you want all the time and you're not in this place of discipleship where at times you're being taught to obey what God has commanded and your will is crossed, man, we can so easily get into pride. I'm grateful for my spiritual parents who are my natural parents. But also other people, they can speak into my life. Our pastors, he says something, man, I'm going to listen. I'm going to come under that. He's a younger man than me who's been in ministry less time than me. But there's a God appointment that I know that if I follow him as he followed Christ, I'm going to end up closer to God. Come on. And I, I, I trust the grace that's on his life. So who... Have you given the authority to speak into your life? And the last thing I want to say here, and I think we're doing all right, is who are you discipling? 
Who are you discipling? Who are you saying, come walk with me? Follow me as I follow Christ. Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah. Paul said to young Timothy, again, Paul was discipling Timothy. Timothy was a disciple of Paul. And, Timothy, and Paul said to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, 1 Timothy 4.12, but set an example for the believers. Well, come on, this is discipleship. Set an example in speech, in love, and life, and faith, and purity. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in these because you'll save yourself and those who hear you. Discipleship. What I speak here is only one half of the equation. How I live life is the other half. And some people have this polished but not that polished. It's follow me as I follow Christ. And I want to ask you, who are you discipling? Discipling. Others takes intentionality. Again, you're not going to fall into it. Discipling others involves living a life worth following. Let me just make these statements. Discipling others involves speaking prophetically into God's intention for them. Jesus was good at this. He called out of them what God had placed in them. Sit with people. Sit over a coffee. We need older people discipling younger people. We need younger people discipling younger people. Come on. It's not an age thing. Again, Paul said to Timothy, don't make this about age right now. Come on. Set an example. Set an example. Live a life worth following. But it's also the prophetically calling out. Here's the deal. Most of the people you sit down with that maybe God is calling you to disciple – they're already hard enough on themselves. They're already against themselves. Maybe you need to help them. Maybe part of what God's calling you to do, show them how I see them. Show them what I've placed in them. Show them what I've called them to. Show them, um, pull out the gifts and the graces of God. Come on, pull out of them what God has put in. That can't be natural sight. That's got to be spiritual sight. Come on, this is what we're called to do. Yes. Call out what God has put in. Maybe that's a great definition for <laughs> discipleship. Call out what God has put in. Discipling others, and this is work making friends <laughs> or making disciples. Discipling others involves correction and direction when necessary. It's not legalism, it's biblical. Come on. If you read the the epistles again, Paul writing to the churches and writing to leaders, he says, I've heard about this. That shouldn't be that like that. Come on. We used to do that when we lived outside of Christ. But now we're in Christ. We we don't do that anymore. What's that? Discipleship. But we live in a time that people are saying, you can't talk about that. Just talk about grace. Uh, I would do that if the Bible said to do that. Jesus said to the woman called on adultery, they they say, I don't condemn you. People say, see, it's all about that. But then he says, go and sin no more, which means I'm saying this is sin. Otherwise, (laughs) we got to take the whole counsel of the word of God. Paul, in the letter to the churches and discipleship focus, come on, put this off, put this on. This shouldn't be named among us. This is teaching them to obey, not to make them good, not from the place of legalism, but from the place of freedom. We've got to represent the heart of God. God. 
correction and direction. See, we won't go there if it's about just being liked. But if it's, I want to help you to follow Jesus. That, that unforgiveness, we, we, let's go on a journey where we can hand that to God. Yeah. That's actually love. That's, right. That's actually love. Yeah, you know, that, the way you're treating your wife or the way you're speaking to that person, uh, that, that, that doesn't represent the heart of the God that we walk with. Let's, let's talk about what, what's going on here. Let's walk to a place where our, our conversation will be seasoned with grace. Yes. Let no unwholesome talk come out of our mouth. Come on. Let, let, what does the Bible say about our tongue? What does the Bible say about our words? That's discipleship. Great. Discipleship is not a 12-week course where we just teach about things and go on. It's walking with people. God can use that as part of it. But again, that's the corporate. How about the personal? A lot of discipleship is done one on one. So who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? Discipling others is always fueled by a love and a holy sense of divine commission. The primary commission of a godly leader is to make disciples, not to lead a department or to make decisions. I'm almost done. I need you to hear this last part. I had a pastor in the state recently talked to me from an eldership point of view they didn't have a youth leader at the time they said we needed a youth leader their elders were pushing for it this pastor was well we don't have anyone here and was feeling uh, i'm not sure where to go with that and was talking to me uh, again he's asked me to speak into his life he's embraced me he's a leader of a church and he's asked me to speak in what's that discipleship yeah. i'm very intentional about that so what do I do with him? I speak the truth in love because that will help him move forward. And I said to him, uh, God was stirring some of this in me. And I said to him, how many of your elders are discipling people? Because we've got elders who want to appoint a youth leader because then they can disciple the youth and we can pass it off to someone else. All the while, we just make decisions about who we want to appoint. My question and my statement to him is shut down the conversation about appointing a youth leader and open up the conversation. Okay, elders, who are you discipling? If every leader in this room was discipling someone, we wouldn't need as many departments. We're landing in the heavy zone. No, no, no. We want to send our young people to... That's their job. Parents, oh, no, the church does it. No. Every one of us yes. are called to follow Jesus and lead people, equip people, furnish and repair people so that they can follow Jesus. Here's a statement for every leader in this room. Current potential. I need you to hear this. Who you are discipling is greater than what you are leading. When we, uh, if we talked about leadership in this room, the normal question is, hey, what, what do you lead? What are you involved in? What are you leading? No, the greater question is who, not what, are you discipling, not leading? Very good. We pride ourselves on we're leading this, but I was going to say woohoo, but um, that was probably a little bit <laughs> offensive. Um, the greater question is not what are you leading, but who are you discipling? Let's just, just call it, Jesus said, okay, 
I'm sending you out. You love me? Great. Go and make disciples. Fully immerse them into the fullness of who I am. Who do you say I am? Let's, let's go there first. And also teach them to obey everything I've commanded. Let's get back to being a disciple and making disciple. Making friends or making disciples. Are we good? I believe that the church globally would look a lot different if every believer picked up the commission to make disciples as a personal commission from God. Everyone in this room. Our time's gone. And thankfully for you, I won't get round and look at each of you in the eye individually. But in the spirit, that's exactly what I want to do right now as I close. I want to look you in the eye and say, who are you being discipled by? Who have you given the right to speak into your life that you trust their walk with God to the point that they say, no, that's not good, don't go there. You listen and do what they say. That's what I want you to look at this week. And number two, you're in this room for a reason. Who are you discipling? I don't know. That. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm on the eldership, on the board. Uh, no, no, I, I lead this. Wonderful. We need you. But if you're not discipling, you're not obeying. Yeah. Pastor Jerry and Pastor Jacinta need everyone in this room not to lead something, but to lead some to disciple someone. Yeah, that's right. Good stuff. And I'm calling us as a church. Be a disciple. Make a disciple. Again, I pray you get to go back to the simplicity. If you go, I don't know how to do that, start with the two things. The two things that have found there in Matthew 28. Baptize them into the name of the Father. Okay, so our focus is let's talk about God. Let's talk about, let's talk about the Father. What's your experience with the Father? What's your view of the Father? What does the Bible say about the Father? How about Jesus? What does the Bible say about Jesus? Let's go there and look at how he treated people, how he spoke to people. What did he accomplish for us? Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Can we look at that together? Let's sit down at a cafe. Let's have a coffee. Let's spend a couple of hours and actually go to the Word. And don't dictate to them. Ask them questions. Jesus was masterful. He said, who do you say that I am? And notice the starting point. Some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say John the Baptist, some say one of the... In other words, everyone's got a different view. Beautiful starting point. Great. So how about you? Who do you say that I am? That's the best picture of discipleship right there. The world says this about God. The world says this about Jesus. Great. How about you? What do you say about Jesus? And when they start to speak... And they see something that's in line with the truth. Man, you're blessed. You've got that revelation from your Father in heaven. Don't rush on. What else does he say? Draw out of them and go into the word together. Amen. Amen. You need to be a disciple that's submitted to someone who's watching out for your soul. And you need to disciple others, not just lead something. Amen.
Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.